Our second reading this morning comes from Genesis. We find ourselves in the middle of a conversation between Abraham, now Abraham, or just about to be Abraham, and God. And this is what happens. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land where you are now an alien, all, all the land of Canaan, for a perpetual holding, and I will be their God. God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. Remind us of what it means for you to be our God. Remind us of what it means for us to be your people. Remind us. Amen. So at the beginning of this week, the staff sat down like we always do and began to plan the service or finish out our planning of this Sunday and the conversation or the question came up, should we start the generation, the series on the generations, which was the plan, or should we postpone it and do something different? We decided with everything going on in the world right now that it would be a good idea to postpone it. So we did. So next week we begin our series. It's going to be fun. I, I look forward to it. But today's different. I also kept the scriptures that we were going to start the series with. I felt it right to use a reading on covenant. And so that's what we decided to do. And then from that point on, I was stumped as to what to say. What do I say? What's there to say? I have a lot I could say, but I don't have a week. I've just got a few minutes. What do you say? There's a lot going on in the world. A lot. We have white supremacy groups marching in the streets saying awful things. We're on the brink of a possible, of another war with North Korea. Maybe a world war. 
We're arguing about statues. Our leaders are trying, but it seems like they don't know anything other than how to ramp up anxiety. While they're trying, they don't seem to know how to speak from a true sense of calm and reason. And that's just the stuff that tops the charts this week. The list is way longer than that. What do you say? Where do you start? I saw a post on Facebook someone put up that said, from now on, I'm only going to post stories about puppies and kittens. (laughs) And I wanted to just say, yeah, let's let's all just post some puppies and kittens for a while. We need some puppies and kittens. We know why that is, right? I mean, because as soon as you try to to begin just a simple conversation to share ideas, nothing more, just share some ideas. Inevitably, it goes to a place of debate where I have the truth and therefore you do not, right? We're beating ourselves up. We've broken the covenant. Maybe that's what I want to say. I was practicing this morning and I got to this point. Every time I said that, I would breathe this sigh. So it told me maybe that's what I'm supposed to say. Feels good when I say it. Doesn't that necessarily make it right? Maybe that's what I want to say. We've broken the covenant. You know what covenant means, right? So often I hear people talking about covenant, and they try, but they when say things like, well, you know, a covenant, it's a, it's a written agreement, and, you know, it's fun. You can make a covenant with your friends. And I want to go, oh, no, that, that's not even close. A covenant, covenant is a spiritually powerful word. It's who we are. We are bound to God, bound to each other. And that's not something we came up with. That's God's idea. Covenant. We are a covenant people. <clears throat> I've read a lot this week, and in the past weeks, I've I have a hot and cold relationship with online conversations, like most of us, I'm sure. And, you know, I'm like, I'm not reading another thing. Well, there's something. Let me read that. I read a couple of things, and and I want to read two of them that I lift out from friends of mine. One is Jill Duffield. I, I, I call her a friend. I've really just met her a couple of times. But she's the editor of the Presbyterian Outlook. It's, it's a magazine for our for out of our denomination and you know she's my age so I'm always proud that someone my age you know gets some kind of nice position way to go you know behind you but she wrote this she part of what in her article she wrote is this this week I refuse 
to condone violence. I refuse to demonize another human being. I refuse to believe that anyone or anything is irredeemable or God-forsaken. I acknowledge my complicity with racism, oppression, and injustice. I acknowledge the inherent racism, oppression, and injustice in every institution in this country, including the church. I believe that God has the power to bring good from evil and is relentlessly on the side of the marginalized and vulnerable. I believe we are called to bless and pray for those who persecute us. I believe we are called to radical forgiveness. I believe that perfect love casts out fear. I believe that Jesus calls out evil and confronts it. And therefore, his followers are required to do so too. Post from another friend of mine who posted a part of a document called the Confession of 1967. It's a confession written by our denomination in our Constitution. It's a statement of faith at a particular time and place that says here's what, where the church is in the middle of this, the 60s. Here's a piece of it. God has created the people of the earth to be one universal family. In his reconciling love, God overcomes the barriers between sisters and brothers and breaks down every form of discrimination based on racial or ethnic difference, real or imaginary. The church is called to bring all people to receive and uphold one another as persons in all relationships of life, employment, housing, education, leisure, marriage, family, church, and the exercise of political rights. Therefore... The church labors for the abolition of all racial discrimination and ministers to those injured by it. Congregations, individuals, or groups of Christians who exclude, dominate, or patronize others, however subtly, resist the Spirit of God and bring contempt on the faith which they profess. When I read those things, I was reminded of how proud I am to be part of a church that takes, has the courage to try and call out evil when we see it, to take that risk, and it is a risk, while also having the courage to not declare any one person as irredeemable or beyond the reach of God. No one is beyond the reach of God, we say. We declare it loud and clear. It takes courage to do that. It takes faith to do that. In fact, I would say it takes more than that. It takes an act of God himself to do that. I say that because the only reason any single one of us is here at all is because God flat out refuses to write us off. God doesn't write us off, refuses to do it. And that's what makes us a covenant people. We are bound to God. We are bound to one another. Covenant.
It all started with Abraham. Abram. Two chapters before the piece we just read, God begins this conversation with Abram. Starts talking to Abram about, you know, here's, here's who I am. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's what I offer you. The first thing God says is, I am going to make you the ancestor of many nations. Many nations. I'm going to make many nations from you. And Abraham looks at God and says, questions it. First thing Abraham does is question it. I don't know how you're going to do that. You hadn't even given me any kids yet. How are you going to do that? I'm going to give you a land to possess. I don't know how you're going to do that. I mean, how am I supposed to know when I actually possess it? That's what Abraham says to him. I don't know. I don't know how you're going to do that. I'm going to offer this. Well, I don't know how you're going to do that. I'm going to offer, I'm not going to do that. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, all the way through our reading today and even beyond it, when God says in our reading today, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. And even though Abram doesn't, he falls on his face. That's the, that's the religious response. But you know in the back of his head, because he's been doing it all along, he says, don't know how you're going to do that. And yet he falls, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. I'm going to bind yourself to me. I'm going to be your God. And you will be my people. That's, and then the next lines after our verse is when God says, and Sarah, by the way, is going to have a baby boy. And Abraham laughs. We read this one a few a number of weeks ago. If you happen to be here that day, as we talked about holy laughter, and we talked about, I'm gonna, you know, and Abraham or Abra, yeah, Abraham says, laughs. He laughs at God. You know, you're gonna do what now? I'm 99. Laughing, questions it. The whole the point is, each step of the way, Abraham struggles with this radical God. He struggles with the covenant. He struggles with this notion, this reality of, of being bound together with God. It never ends. He keeps struggling with it. And it doesn't stop there. It keeps going. As you keep reading through Scripture, you find it coming up, popping up again and again and again and again. When God leads the Israelites out of Egypt and into the wilderness, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to give you the, lead you to the promised land. Goes out into the wilderness. The people immediately begin to struggle. They struggle. They struggle with this radical God. They're out there a long time. Makes sense. I've struggled too. That's a long time. Forty years. That's a long time. They struggle with this. They struggle with the covenant. This promise God has given them. Years later, when the Babylonian Empire ransacks Jerusalem and scatters the Jewish people all over the place, they struggle. Absolutely. The prophets speak to them, you know, the prophets. They say, come back, return to God, they say, because they're struggling with this notion, this reality of covenant that they're bound. They look at the world and they can't see it. Jesus is on the cross, and the 12 disciples, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples, 
The disciples scatter. They look at this and they, they struggle with this new covenant. Struggle with being bound to God and bound to one another. They can't believe that the promise is real. We know what that's like. We look out our window at a, and we see a harsh, brutal world. And we ask ourselves, we say, how can God possibly love a world like that? Does God really love this world? This world? This? Is it even possible? The struggle is real for us all. How are you feeling today? How you feeling? Are you angry? Bitter? Your heart heavy? Are you tired of talking about it? Maybe you walked in today and I start talking about it and you kind of inside, you probably you did a good job. If you rolled your eyes, it was on the inside. It's good. You know, Andy's going to talk about it again. It's okay though, I get it. Tired of it. It's exhausting. Are you beginning to doubt? Are you afraid? There's nothing wrong with what you're feeling, no matter what you're feeling, even if you have so many feelings, you don't know, don't know what word to put at it. Nothing wrong with that. I've felt it too. We all do. So many of us, we try to, you know, I can tell you my week, it's steeped in kids and, and church and, you know, I can avoid it all and just kind of do my own thing, but we can't. We're called to look at it. How you feeling? There's really only one thing to say, really, and it's, it's something that God has been telling us all along, that God has been saying to us, whispering to us from the very beginning. When you read the, the Bible, with each story, with each different situation that the people of God confront, if you bend your ear low enough, you can hear this phrase rumbling beneath the surface and the words are these. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on me, God says. I won't give up on you. Don't give up. When God establishes the covenant with Abraham in our story today, you can hear him saying it. Don't give up on me, Abraham. 
Abe, don't do it. I'm not going to give up on you. When God appears in a pillar of fire to the Israelites as they leave Egypt, when God showers manna from the heavens upon them to feed them, that's what God is saying, don't give up on me. I'm not going to give up on you. When the people are dispersed and sent out of their city in Jerusalem into all kinds of the farthest parts of the recent region by the Babylonian Empire, and the prophets are saying to them, return to God, that's what they're saying. Don't give up on God. God won't give up on us. When Jesus Christ walks out of the tomb on Easter morning, you might say that those very words echoed through the hearts of us all, don't give up on me. Not going to give up on you. Don't give up. Find the courage to call out the evils of this world when you see them. Find the strength to practice radical forgiveness when you need to. Find the faith to share Christ's radical love. Keep working for everlasting peace. Hold out hope for every single person you come across and refuse to let them go. Because when you look out the window and you see a harsh, brutal world, your eyes begin to well up. You ask yourself, how could God love a world like that? Does God really love this world? This world? Is it possible? The answer is yes. Yes. God loves this world with his very own life. It's why we call it radical. It's what makes us a covenant people bound to God, bound to one another. Don't give up. May God be with us. May Christ lead us. May the Spirit bind us together. Amen.